Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beyond Sunday at Bethlehem, a podcast created to go beyond the Sunday service experience at Bethlehem Church, exploring some of the deeper questions of our faith, offering additional content from behind the scenes from the cutting room floor. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Angela Buckland, and as always, I am beyond excited to host today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Sunday. Today, you are in for a real treat. We are so excited because we are in this foundation series, and we're talking about spiritual disciplines. And today, we're going to be talking about worship as a spiritual discipline, and I have some really cool guests on the podcast today. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, starting with you. All right. My name is Joel Goddard, and I am one of the worship pastors here at Bethlehem Church. My name is Nathan Unger, and I'm one of the worship pastors at uh, Oconee, Oconee campus. My name is Chevis Phillips, and I am one of the worship leaders at 316 campus. My name is Kevin Miller, and I'm not one of the worship leaders <laughs> at any campus. I work with the discipleship team, um, so I'm just here for comedic relief. Yes. Kevin's my partner in crime here. <laughs> my name is Ryan McCain, and I'm the worship pastor at the 211 campus. My name is Jacob Dickinson, and I'm the worship pastor for the South Venue. Yes, awesome. Sir. Represent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things so, good too. Yes. And I feel like when Nathan said uh, Oconee Campus, I felt like somebody should have said best campus just to represent Jeremy. <laughs> That's what Jeremy Pastor Jeremy. He would have yet, said that so. if yeah. you were here. <laughs> put that little asterisk next to it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it in the notes. <laughs> okay. So, Joel, uh, give us kind of in your own words, what is a spiritual discipline? Help us out with that, with that concept. All right. Well, you know, I know based off of all the different personalities of people listening, you know, we live in a world where people are constantly saying, you know, I I have no discipline. I try to eat right for one day and then I eat bad. So the, the word discipline sometimes has a negative mm. connotation. Um, but when it comes to a relationship with the Lord, to me, it is what we do on a regular basis to uh, change our state of mind, yeah. you know, and it's, uh, and actually that's the, actually the definition of addiction is what you do on a regular basis to change your state of mind. Huh. So when it comes to <clears throat> discipline, it's the practice of doing things over and over and over again, whether or not you feel like it or not. Uh, and when it comes to, especially um, with what we're talking about with worship, um, music helps, but it's not the end all when it comes to the discipline. It's more about the relationship with the Lord, intimacy with the Lord. So, so good. And again, I'm reminded of what Pastor Matt talked about in the Religion versus Gospel series that if we want to focus, we don't focus on the fruit, we focus on the roots. Yes. And if we do that, that's through relationship. That's yes. time spent with Jesus. Yes. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So, Okay, so how is worship, and you guys all can jump in with this, talk about how worship is a spiritual discipline. Mm. You do that, Chef. You're good at that. <laughs> I'm good at how worship is a spiritual discipline. Um, so what I think of immediately when I just think about what you're saying and how it's doing something when you don't feel like doing it, mm. um, I feel like that's the most powerful thing about worship is just kind of putting God back in His place, putting Him back in the driver's seat. Yeah. And the coolest thing about what we get to do is on Sundays, just being um, you know, out there before worship starts and kind of listening to people's stories and knowing who they are and knowing where they came from, even if it's just like 
just now they're walking through something hard. Uh, just got a, a cancer diagnosis. Just mm-hmm. found out, um, you know, they're gonna get a divorce. Like there's just so many things that people are walking through, and then they come in, they worship anyways. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. to me, mm-hmm. that's a discipline. Yeah, you know, because mm-hmm. that's that's choosing worship when you just want to choose to sulk. Choosing worship when you want to choose to just take hold of your life and try to fix everything. And you're like, you know what, God, you're in control. You're sovereign. You're over this. And that, that to me, that's what that is. That's yeah. excellent. And this will this will come up a lot during this podcast when it comes to worship. Um, you know, sometimes people look at what worship being get some get the band together, get some instruments, and sing songs. And one of the reasons why I love the team of worship leaders at Bethlehem. We don't see it as that. It's yeah. an awesome vehicle that we're able to pull everybody together and do together and that act of discipline. But worship is a lot more than just singing. That's just one of the vehicles to be able to worship. So and I'm sure it's going to come up with a lot of us. You know, yeah. we're going to constantly be um, sensing this. Uh, we're pulled towards just talking about the music when, when, when we love doing it. Yeah. But there's a whole lot more to it. Absolutely. So let's chase that because worship, when we worship together on Sundays, one of the ways we worship is through singing. Mm-hmm. But we're only there for an hour and a half at right. most, maybe two hours if we're serving somewhere. Right. So we've got the rest of the time every week. And yeah. worship being a spiritual discipline means it's going to be something we do on a regular basis, right. not just regular on Sundays, yes. But what does it look like for you guys in your life to worship on a daily basis yeah. And I would say, you know, include music, but what else do you do that doesn't include yeah. music? Well, that we uh, we only hire worship pastors. We don't hire worship leaders. There is a mm. drastic difference between worship leaders and worship pastors. And I see it in all these guys. I'll use Ryan McCain, and he can, he can uh, talk about this, but watching how... Um, pastoring during the week when we're spending time with people who are going through hardships or you're mentoring and discipling other guys who may want to do what we do. Um, It's that lifestyle thing. To me, um, if you are gifted in the area of being a worship leader, you're always leading worship Mm -hmm. at your four-year-old's birthday party, at the ballpark, at... Uh, uh, at the grocery store, you're constantly leading worship, uh, drawing people to want to know who God is. Everything is is doing that. I see that in Ryan all the time. You do a lot of stuff, way more than just play music. Sure. I would say 10% of what we do as worship leaders <laughs> yeah. is music on Sundays. Yeah. The other 90% is some of the stuff maybe you want to talk about. Yeah, that was probably one of my favorite things when I started coming around, uh, when Joel and I started meeting up together was... He was like, you think you want to pursue this thing, and if there's anything else you can do during the week for a job and still serve your church, then do it. But if this is your calling, then you're going to have to go after it 100% because the 10% is what people see. is on the stage. Mm-hmm. That's the fun stuff. They expect to show up at the church, and we're all just sitting with our guitars and singing Kumbaya, which happens occasionally. Yeah. It does. But the 90% yes. is the part that people don't see, and that's the loving on people, equipping other people. I think— uh, one of my favorite things about leading worship and how that's helped my personal uh, relationship with Jesus is that worship has taught me that it's about listening to the Holy Spirit, being obedient, and getting out of the way. And that's like mm-hmm. really the role for us as believers. And so leading worship just helps me apply that to my day-to-day life because that's 
all we try to do on stage. We're not trying to lead a moment or conjure something, but it's about listening to Holy Spirit. What is it saying? Being obedient to that and then getting out of the way and just yeah. watching him move. That's good, man. That is really good. I think I love, uh, Pastor Jason said it this past week, he said that you know God's not going to pull his favor or his, his love from you if you're not spending time with him during the week, but yes. you will be malnourished. Yes. And I think as worship leaders, worship pastors, uh, we have to lead from a place of being uh, emptying our cups each and every week. And yeah. um, because number one, it shows if we're not, but number two, like we can't expect to lead people if we're not receiving something mm-hmm. from the Lord on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And so, I, man, Jason just hit the nail on the head really good with mm-hmm. that this past week. I thought it was good. That's great. Yeah, many times people feel guilty mm-hmm. because they're quote unquote disciplined and their time with the Lord isn't right. They feel guilty. And it's not guilt, it's hunger. Mm. But mm. We, we feel this guilt and weight that, oh, gosh, I haven't spent time with the Lord, and I haven't done this, and I haven't done that. When the truth is, it's just hunger. Right. It's just hunger pains, and it's God's way of saying, come after me, you know, That's listen good. to me. So like there is yeah. a big difference. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, I, I think, too, you know, we've did, we did this series on shame, the series on religion versus gospel and versus like the the works versus a relationship. Mm-hmm. And really what you're doing with this spiritual discipline, Joel, I love the, the analogy that you gave with exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, there's no shame if you don't exercise, but you're going to feel better mm-hmm. <laughs> if you do it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have, you know, bear more fruit and it's going to be, you know, there's going to be abundance and fruitfulness in your life as a result. Yes. So that's, that's really good. cool. That's good. So... Okay, so how can we encourage, you know, maybe it's easy for us, um, you know, we all love music uh, here sitting in this room, so maybe, how, do, how can we encourage people that maybe are not musically inclined? Because when we hear worship, we, th- we automatically think music. Right. How can we encourage, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stereotype, the guy in the truck <laughs> who does not, who's not touchy-feely, not, doesn't consider himself a music person, how can we encourage him to worship? Hmm. That's good. Man, I think uh, there's several, um, I think, answers to that question. But one thing I love about Bethlehem is the culture of prayer that that we have at every campus. And um, obviously, that's one way kind of like Kevin was talking about it, Joel was talking about it, is that that's one way that we worship as well. And so that's not something that has to be done only on a Sunday morning, like all these other disciplines. Uh, and then with that, serving as mm-hmm. well. Uh, obviously, we encourage people to serve. Um, and we hear this a lot thrown around, um, but we mean it, but we want more uh, for you than we want from you. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, if somebody comes up, like you're saying, Angela's like, well, I don't sing, so I'm not, I'm just going to sit here and, you know, receive it. But I think that uh, there's so much more to what worship has to offer um, than, than mm-hmm. simply singing. So, yeah. Yes. I remember, sorry. Go ahead. I remember, um, I don't remember how long ago it was. It was a while ago. I was having some vocal issues, so I actually couldn't sing. Mm. And during that time, um, I got a phone call from someone. I didn't answer because I was busy. They left me kind of a hateful voicemail, and I was like, oh, okay. I'm about to call you back, and I'm about to tell you how I really think. And they didn't answer. And so I hung up, and I was like, okay, I'll just try back again in a minute, like they did. Blow up my phone, leave a rude voicemail. And um, I felt the Lord kind of just settle on me and go, do you love to worship? And I was like, I mean, yeah. You know, kind of in my head, I was just like, of course I do. And he was like, worship me now. 
And so that's that moment of like your flesh rises up and wants to respond mm. this way to somebody. And real practically, I mean, it's real practical. It has nothing to do with music. But instead, I called them back, you know, or they called me back. And they were just kind of like, hey, acted like nothing happened. So I just like poured it out love-wise. I was like, hey, you left me a voicemail. I'm so sorry I was doing this. And they're like, oh, it's no problem. And so it was like love one. Yeah. And that's worship, wow. you know? So real practically speaking, that's like good, if you're not a musician and you're at home and you have, you're covered up in kids like I am when I get home, <laughs> like every diaper you change is unto the Lord. That's worship, yeah. you know? So just little, little things like that. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. I was so convicted. I wish I could say I've um, always been this way, but I've not. And I would say over, especially over the last 10 years, that I learned that you know, I can't go and stand on that platform and lead people if I'm not worshiping the Lord in my relationship with my wife. Mm. And that my responsibility is to serve her mm. and to love her and to give myself up for her. Because obedience to the Lord and worship affects more than just you. So it I've watched it affect my kids that they watch me serve her and love her and live a life that I'm called to live at home. And therefore that changes what we do in front of people. And we've had many discussions about this. You know, we always take our team uh, through a book called Secrets of the Secret Place because that's where it starts. The power of what you do in front of people comes from what you do when nobody's around. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the most important discipline of any worshiper of God, whether or not you're paid to be on a stage or you're you're out in the crowd, that um, that is where it comes from. It comes from that personal relationship with the Lord. And Jason's talked about this, you know, um, everybody's time with the Lord is different. You know, some people have music. I, I have loud times with the Lord. And, uh, but some people have more quiet. Jason journals. Mm-hmm. Um, I very rarely journal. A lot of mine is just outside. I speak out loud um, and I move around a lot. You know, uh, people's time is different, time yeah. in, in the word and things like that. But that has to be the source of why we do what we do because you get burned out real quick if that's not the source. And then you become a performer mm-hmm. and then you fall under the spirit of being an imposter. Mm-hmm. And one of the, I think, most detrimental things is that in the church are pastors who become imposters because they don't have that intimate relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And it comes from when you, when you minister out of experience mm-hmm. and not out of re- relationship with the Lord, you become an imposter. Yeah. And so there's, and, but everybody feels that, you know, I'm speaking from worship pastor, but everybody feels that mm-hmm. people come in and they feel like I'm an imposter if people really knew. Mm-hmm. And, but when you spend that time with the Lord and begin to find out who you really are, mm-hmm. yeah, we all have issues. Yeah. We've all got things we're working through, but that imposter thing doesn't overtake you because you know who you are right. and you know how God's feels about you and what God says to you and what he said to you that morning or mm-hmm. whenever that time with the Lord was. So that's what makes it powerful. And even talking about what Chevis is talking about with those moments where you're constantly being um, forced into deciding 
do I go with what my flesh says yep. or do I go with what the spirit says? And that is worship. Yes. Is feed that dog. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to feed the <laughs> other dog. I know? think that's so good, Joel, because I think for the longest time I had a hard time with that concept. Like, what is it? What does it mean? And I've heard other people echo this too. What does it mean to walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh? And so, Shevis, you gave a really, that's a really powerful, practical example of turning your thoughts towards God. Mm-hmm. In that moment, when your flesh wants to take over, that's really, really powerful. And and maybe people will see that now as an act of worship because y'all mm-hmm. put that to words. Mm-hmm. I, really I have found, and I, we just said this this week, uh, just hanging out talking, I have found that most every time I'm supposed to do something that the Lord wants me to do, I don't want to do it. (laughs) And if I embrace that, Mm -hmm. it makes it easier. I start to learn if if my flesh is telling me, you know, I I don't want to go do this thing tonight, or I don't want to pay for that person's groceries or whatever it is, like whatever the Lord tells you to do. Like the first response, your flesh is always going to say no first. I very rarely have a, yay, let's do it. (laughs) There's always a process I have to go through of fighting that flesh. Mm -hmm. But once you do on the other side of that, that's when you really see the power of the Lord. Mm -hmm. But it also gives opportunity for you to say, it had to be the Lord. I didn't want to do it. Right. And that's what brings glory to the Lord is overcoming the flesh, doing what he says. And then you can actually go, I can't take credit for it because I didn't want to do it anyway. And there's such freedom in that. Mm -hmm. There is such freedom in that because it's it's Jesus. It's not us. It is. It really is. (laughs) For sure. Yep. So, okay. So talk about some cool stories from the campuses that you've seen, uh, from your perspective, just how you've seen people that you're ministering to on a weekly basis, how you've seen them grow in their faith or grow or come to actually know Jesus through through worship. I feel like I've seen just over and over again worship, at least from a from a musical standpoint of us being on stage and people coming to Bethlehem Church and and hearing worship. Uh, it is just a door. You know, mm-hmm. people come in, they hear the worship because I feel like music is such a universal thing. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone loves music and it, and it connects a lot of people. Um, and so, you know, you hear music, but then you get to hear these words and it just invites people into this place of being like, wait, what is this? I, I want to know more of what, you know, we're singing about, what you're singing about. And, and, you know, starting with worship is so important because it sets Jason up so well mm-hmm. and it allows, it breaks down walls and, and barriers over people's lives to where they're like, uh, I'm not really sure about this, but, you know, you see everyone in the room just declaring these words that we're singing and it, and it really just opens doors. And, uh, I've seen that happen a lot in just people's lives that, that I know, um, that are just unchurched or just kind of not really, you know, don't really know what to expect. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a common ground is like, Oh wow, I love the worship and that'll keep them coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll keep them coming back and they're, they're going to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, That's good. you know, I love really that. Cool. I love that music as a, I mean, it is, it's universal. So that's a common thing that we can all come together on. That's really good, really great. Mm-hmm. So you guys also have the cool perspective of leading students uh, mm-hmm. every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So you guys talk about that. Talk about if, if some, maybe some cool stories that you've seen um, you know, midweek 
on Wednesday nights, leading students, how you've seen that break down some barriers and some walls? Well, I can answer to it. I grew up in church, living in church. My dad worked at church. We, we did all the things. And at some point in every person's life, they come to the realization of the whole point. And it's Jesus and mm-hmm. it's having that relationship. And it just took me. I was the kid that was protected by the walls of the church and under the wings of the Lord my whole life, just protected from so many things. But I had this chip on my shoulder when I got to college and realized what I was missing. And then there was the whole pride factor and having to come to humility, which took years. And I was here at Bethlehem Church leading worship and and leading others and and was I was telling myself a lot. And I realized what I was missing, but there was the pride thing, there was humility to come to the point where I was like, I need Jesus for myself. I need this relationship. And so I've had this chip on my shoulder since I realized that growing up in church and I had this thing against church in my mind while I'm working at a church and then it all comes out. It's like, no, you can just use this for other people. Mm. And so these students that I'm seeing grow up in church, it's always, it's been their same life. It's like on repeat. There's nothing new under the sun. I'm seeing all these students that they were me. Mm. And so I just have this passion on my heart. I know we all do because we have similar stories in that Mm -hmm. of these students need and they want the real thing. Let's give it to them. Let's help connect the real thing, which is the relationship with Jesus, not just checking the box. And so it's been really cool just to be the hands and feet of that and be part of that and to know that these students will now be that for somebody else one day. It doesn't end with us. So powerful. Great, Ryan. And that's a good point. Like, we're still working through our stuff too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The problem is we're having to do it in front of people (laughs) and lead. And that's why it's important with even our relationships that there's a... Uh, being able to process and and still let each other lead each other mm. uh, while we go through our stuff. Too, That's good. You know? For sure. I know, Joel, you've said this before, but like with students, they are the church. They're not the going to be the not church. Not the future of yeah, the church. Yeah, not the future they are. of the church. They are the church. And yeah. so um, it's it. I lead a seventh grade small group as well um, on, on Wednesdays for midweek. And it's cool to see even seventh grade guys, it click. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, this makes sense now. And, you know, just them lifting their hands in worship and just kind of teaching them the foundations of what will, you know, grow their faith to where they can stand strong, you know, in high school and, mm-hmm. you know, in middle school and, and even when they go into college, because, uh, you know, that's when a lot of people, you have that deciding factor uh, of whether I'm going to stay in this or mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave it. Um, and so we're building those those foundations and, um, it's it's really cool to see just people click and actually understand. Hey, this is your own relationship, not your parents, mm-hmm. and uh, just teaching them all of that. It's, yeah. it's, it's really cool to see. I think it'd be good to to tell people that, especially if they come every week, uh, the process of what we go through in the morning before they get there, because um, yeah, there's there's a lot of moving parts and and dynamics but everybody's coming in from whatever week they've had you know uh, we bring in the musicians and we get together we start working through songs but they're consistently every time there is a moment where rehearsal turns into worship mm-hmm. where we kind of get it and then you can tell it like you feel a shift where we're going from getting the songs right to everybody's focus is now towards the Lord and people, and they're going to be here soon. Yeah. And 
uh, and we all go through a dying process. Like mm. uh, we're, you know, we're always paying attention to our musicians who who seems down, who seems funky today, and um, you know all those things, and paying attention to that, and making sure there's a process. Sunday is always coming, and there, you know, I've, I've said this for the last few weeks: is God will never stop asking you for everything. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to do that. But you talk about stories. Yeah. You know, we've, um, you know, we, we've been making sure to pull back and not make it about music, but there's something about people walking into mm-hmm. the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Like, you know, from the parking lot, people connecting with them and uh, walking them to where they need to go. Try, people just frustrated our parking guys have experienced so many yeah stories you know um <laughs> and some people prove that it. church is exactly where they need to be that yeah. day because of how they even treat our parking guys you know yeah and uh but then they they come in and there's there's something about and it's i've experienced it so many times in my life even when i'll go to something else and you walk in and you can tell there's been some worshiping going on before we got here mm. today. There's been a lot of people praying over this, whatever this moment is, and you get that sense. And there's something about that that draws your heart towards the Lord. Yeah. But then you just really get that sense that man, He does love us. You start mm-hmm. sensing the peace of the Lord. Um, and we've had so many stories where people on the verge of divorce will come into a service and they get in the car and change their mind. Wow. And we're not going to sign that piece of paper tomorrow. Yeah. We're going to work through this. Or people who have gone through loss, people going through discouraging moments, hard things in their lives, and coming in and experiencing the presence of the Lord. And um, and I've seen many times where during worship, people give their life to the Lord yeah. before they even hear a sermon, just because they're they're like, this is what I've been looking for yeah. and sensing that. And even um, moments of being able to pray over people. We tell our musicians, we don't play the guitar, we pray mm-hmm. the guitar. We pray with our um, instruments that um, whatever's in you is what's coming out. And yeah. so being able to see the power of the Lord where people are healed um, mentally, physically, spiritually, where people sense healing of the Lord in those moments. And, uh, I mean, we could we could do five podcasts yeah. just on the stories yeah. of things that we have seen God do just in those moments of the of unified worship where um and I think it's what makes people want to invite people because they're like you got to come experience what I did. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. they they're they it's not um trying to put some guilt trip on you you need to go to church. Right. There is a you got to come experience what's happening. And uh, they know they'll never be the same. Yeah. Because you you can leave a service and go, yeah, it's good, and do a little golf clap and say, I got chill bumps. Right. You know. But when you experience the presence of the Lord, you're permanently changed. Like things oh, shift in His presence. Yeah. That leads me. I think that's great. I think that moment that you talk about where rehearsal turns into uh, worship, mm-hmm. um, that whole discipline of worship, it's about positioning. It positions you. So I'm thinking... As you're talking through that, I'm thinking about the guy who's listening right now who's driving his truck. Yeah. And he's going to be driving it the rest of the day. And yeah. I'm thinking about the the person that's on the assembly line right now 
whether processing chickens or whatever it is, yeah. or the, the mom who is cleaning the house and she's got her earbuds in and she's listening to this right now. Yeah. This whole idea of worship as a discipline is about positioning myself before God. Mm. And sometimes that, that work of, of acknowledging who God is and worshiping Him, just acknowledging His presence, you know, that being part of worship, sometimes it's, it's going through the motions, but as we discipline ourselves to do that, we're positioning ourselves mm-hmm. so that when God does come through, all of a sudden we go from rehearsal or we go from just doing what we normally do to a moment of worship yeah. where God's presence is right there with yes. us and we see Him do incredible things and it's because we've positioned ourselves yes. right there and we've gone, that moment again, I think it's great, I'm going to hang on to it, yeah. from rehearsal to worship. Yeah. Um, a lot of times when I'm in my truck and I'm driving to the, to the church and I'm I'm trying to intentionally worship God going, Lord, look at the creation around me. Yes. Look at my family. Look at what you're doing at our church. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm intentional about it. A lot of times it just is an exercise, um, but it positions me to a point where I'm open to what God might do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, I just, that, I love that idea that from mm-hmm. there's a moment as we worship, that it, as we rehearse, that it becomes worship. And so mm-hmm. we keep doing that. Like when yes. we don't feel like worshiping, we don't feel like acknowledging who God is or putting Him, putting our attention on Him. If we keep practicing that, we're, we're really open and position ourselves to see Him do something mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how it often catches us by surprise because yeah. we we may not be expecting it or we we just kind of find, you, you catch those moments. And I'm so glad you said that, Kevin, because that's so true. Like, I find it often, you know, just looking at the sky. I love looking at the sky. And the scripture says that the heavens declare God's glory. Mm-hmm. The skies proclaim his craftsman, craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And so just looking at the sky or noticing his creation, that can cause you to worship him. Mm-hmm. And Joel, I want to talk about one specific moment that happened just recently in worship. I snuck into the 1115 service and uh, we were singing grat- gratitude. And it was during that moment when you you took that moment and it was just so powerful and so holy, just this invitation when we sing, so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Mm -hmm. And you made this really just gentle invitation to like, hey, this may seem weird, Mm -hmm. throwing up your hands, raising your hands, we're not making you do that. Mm -hmm. And people want to do that. Mm -hmm. And if we just want to invite you. And it was just a really, talk about that moment and kind of what God was talking to you because I came in that day I felt great. I was happy. I was having a great day. Mm. And when that moment hit, I just started weeping. Mm. And it was just this powerful moment of worship that caught me by surprise. Mm. So you talk about that. Yeah, it was neat. Uh, After the service, uh, my son rode home with me. He's 16. And uh, that's what he wanted to talk about was that prompt. And I've I've done that prompt before, but he's never heard it, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Um, I've heard you do that prompt yeah. before, and it, it hasn't yeah. always caught me like yeah. that. So but that was that was really cool. <laughs> he said he said what he appreciated. This is sixteen year old now. Yeah. He said what he appreciated was it didn't feel like I was trying to manipulate everyone into let's all stick our hands in Correct. the air. That's not a win, right? But the win is knowing what the Bible says and seeing the opportunities of obedience and. The, the thing about lifting hands um, is it's just, of all the things, you know, God creates us, forms us in our mother's womb, puts us on the earth. We're, you know, we, we realize a relationship with him or what Jesus did for us. We offer our lives to him. And then there's something about sticking your hands in the air. And it's <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, it, it doesn't make sense. Of yeah. all the things that he could say, why would one of them be 
put your hands in the air. Yeah. And you even made the joke. It was really funny. Like, is he not calling on him? Do you see? You yeah. Know, like, oh, yeah. Is he like, I, raising your hand up yes, in class? <laughs> I remember the, the lady that would lift her hands. And I remember as a kid seeing that going, why didn't the... Because in... I grew up where if you lift your hand, that you have a question. <laughs> right. And so I, I remember looking, going, he needs to find out what she wants. She's got both hands in the air, you know. <laughs> it must be important. <laughs> yes. And I remember she would be crying yeah. and, and watching that and not even realizing until college that the, there's scripture um, multiple times that mm. talks about, I will lift up holy hands in the sanctuary. And mm. um, there's something about that moment. And this is full disclosure. Uh, I get paid to be a worship pastor. Yeah. And when I am not leading worship, I still have to go through a dying process. When I am at a worship experience mm. that I'm not leading, mm. um, I still have to go through this process of, okay, I want I want to lift my hands. And, uh, and I am choosing to do that. That's, right. That's why mm. I realize it's such a powerful thing mm. yeah. because I still have to do that. It, it doesn't just come naturally that I'll do that. And there's that discipline again. Because you, there is that man-pleasing thing, and yeah. you're worried about what other people may think and all of those things, or I just don't feel like it. I'm into it, Lord. I'm not going to stick my hands up right now. You know my heart. I go through all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. But there is a dying process of saying, Lord, I will lift my hand. I'll throw up my hands. I'll praise you again and again and making that choice. And what those disciplines on Sunday do is carry through the week yeah. where you may not stick mm. your hands up again that week, but you'll come to moments where you will say, I don't want to do this. You go through the dying process, but you do it anyway. Right. That yeah. is the yeah. power of lifting your hands. It's actually an internal discipline that God is creating in us that has nothing to do with an act of sticking your hands in here. It's obedience. Mm. And the most common form of worship, throughout all scripture is actually laying on your face before the Lord. Yeah. And you very rarely see that. And it's one of the practices that I do on a regular basis with my time with the Lord, because the actual translation is to not hold yourself up mm -hmm. in any area of your body mm -hmm. that you flat out lay before the Lord. Yeah. And it's not a rest, but it is a, you are God and I am not. Mm -hmm. right. And it is there is a bowing of yourself and your heart where you lay before the king and say, listen, you run the show. Yeah, and so it's good. part of that process and all these different things. Getting on your knees is one of those things. Uh, laying on your face. Singing is a form of worship. Shouting is a mm -hmm. form of Lifting up your head is a form of worship. You know, all those things. And so I try to practice those, and some of those come naturally and some of those don't, you know. But mm -hmm. um, I would say the one that uh, that comes up during wartime for yeah. me is shouting. Yeah. Is that I will uh, sometimes, you know, I, I, I come by the church in the mornings and nobody's there. And actually, there's a, a person on our staff. Her husband came in one day, and I didn't know he was there because real early in the morning, and I was in there shouting, and he came running in. He thought something was wrong, and he came busting through the door, and then he realized that I was just shouting, like yeah. it was. I was just. I felt like I was at war with mm. some things that I was praying for with a specific family member, mm. and and doing that and declaring the truths of God out loud. There's something about that where 
you just feel like you're doing it with God, for God. He's in you. He's beside you. He's before mm-hmm. you. He's behind you. Those are those moments that really uh, set the tone for the rest of your day. Sure. And when you have that, so. Well, and that's. So good. I love the all the different ways that you talked about worshiping, and what you can do, and laying down on your knees, that shouting worship as warfare, because mm-hmm. that's what it really is. Mm-hmm. Can y'all talk about that for a minute? And that mm-hmm. I mean, it might seem a little strange to us, just because. That's not something we talk about very often, yeah. but worship as warfare. Well, I'll, I'll say this because I think Chevis needs to. Uh, you always have to pull that out of Chevis, but once you get her going, it's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. But sure. I have people on a regular basis say to me, that girl, the one over there who's always jumping around and always <laughs> doing that. So people who didn't grow up in church or grew up in a more traditional church, when they see that, mm-hmm. they, they may think, uh, unbeknownst to them, that it's a performance thing, right. that she's trying to get people excited. and uh, But but when you know where she's come from or when you know what she's going through in that moment and mm-hmm. she is doing that, that's what gives power to it. And I see her do it on a regular basis. That girl worships like she's at war. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there is something about when you're when you're fighting and knowing God's already won, yeah. that there's joy in that kind of fight, and that's what I see her do. She yeah. practices that. She lives that way. Mm-hmm. Like people yeah. are like, you know, man, when she's on stage, and I'm like, you should see her when she's not on yeah. stage. She's the same way, <laughs> yeah. constantly, all the time that's doing awesome. that. Awesome. Yeah. You made me get emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I always get emotional when we talk about worshiping warfare. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. Um, I think, too, like when you know, like Joel said, when you know you're fighting from a victory, yeah. um, but when you, I remember, I remember the, and I still experience warfare. We all do. We all experience yeah. warfare. There's there's a battle going on. We can't see it. Yeah. You know, it's not against flesh and blood. And so I think that, I mean, I literally, like, I think through um, everything is running through my brain right now, like what Joel said about our musicians, not just you know, playing their instruments, but praying with them. Like, you know, we have drummers and I hear Joel say this on the regular, you know, when we start on Sunday mornings at the eight o'clock service, you know, we've been in there since, you know, six, six thirty, working through stuff. And, and Joel will just sometimes just pull a musician to the side and be like, Hey, when you start beating on that snare and you're playing those toms, like demons are running out of the room. Mm. And that's, I mean, it's mm. crazy to talk about, but I believe that. Yeah. I believe that I've experienced it in my own life. I've yeah. experienced it in a worship setting where there were no lights. It was a small room with 150 people, and you just experience chains falling off and out of the room. Like God just blows in, His presence is there, and you're free. Mm. And so mm. when you know that you know that you know that you're fighting from the victory and that people are getting set free, it changes everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just don't care. Yeah. You're just like, you know what? Like we talked about it um, the other day, just how people— we always go and find the people that are just really expressively worshiping in the room because that doesn't always, expressive worship doesn't always mean that you're truly worshiping like Joel just said. Sure. Um, but there are some people that it is genuine. And, you know, like he said, we're paid to do what we do. Mm-hmm. We're paid to be on the stage. People expect us to be, you know, to love Jesus and to, you know, lead you in worship and things like that. But then when there's like this random person next to you and they're doing the same thing we are, yeah. it changes the temperature of the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we always find those people and we're like, hey, we just want to encourage you. You're free in this church to worship however you want to because it doesn't always, you know, it. Like Joel said, you go through the thing in your head like no one around me is doing this. Yeah. This is so awkward, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so there's so much power in that obedience and and just freedom mm-hmm. and just hands to the Father, surrender, like in a moment, you know? Yeah. Um, and you feel chains fall off of people. Yeah. And yeah. so it just, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Especially when you do it on behalf of other people. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it it changes things when you do that. And, you know, it's, it's fresh with me. And a lot of people don't know this, but um, my father passed away Christmas night and just... There was a couple of months there before that. He was really sick and taking care of him. And I was um, not as connected uh, with uh, being at the church. And one of the things that people I don't think realize about this team especially is that they rally and they fight for people. Mm. And it was it was a neat experience for me to have them do that for me. Yeah. You know, I've seen, I watched them do that for other people, but then they started doing it for me. They started stepping in and, you know, and not just taking on responsibilities while I was going through that. Because sometimes uh, you go through times, I went through a really difficult uh, time in my life 10 years ago where uh, just physically and had all these issues physically and just could not figure it out. And so it took some time. And uh, when we told the church that I was going to take a little time off, one of my closest friends, uh, he's in the military, he came to my house and he said, um, uh, he said, one of the things they train them is that when you're in the middle of battle, um, if you take a knee, it's a universal sign that no matter what your role is in the middle of that fight, you rally around that one person and you make a circle. Because if you take a knee, you can't fight for yourself or fight for the people around you. Mm -hmm. And that is what they're called to do. And he came to my house and said, I realize you're taking a knee and I'm here. Mm -hmm. And that did something in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that with with this team. Yeah. Is that um, because worship is prayer? Worship is uh, talking to God, fighting on behalf of other people. And when you experience mm-hmm. people doing that, so when we come together on Sunday, we're actually fighting on behalf of everyone in the room. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes we're doing it for each other, mm-hmm. and that's part of the process. We're all in a battle. We're all in a fight, mm-hmm. and sometimes you got to take a knee mm-hmm. because you're just drained, you know, mm-hmm. mentally and physically and spiritually, you're drained. And I'm thankful to be a part of a team and a church that sees it that way, that uh, we don't leave on Sunday thinking that a win is there were no mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not performance-based. But my gosh, we got some of the best musicians Mm -hmm. around. But their hearts are for people and for the Lord, and that's what makes them the most dangerous people on the earth are musicians who know the Word and listen to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. They're dangerous because they change a room just by walking in it, even if they don't play or sing. You know, And one of the things I always told Shevis when she first came, I was like, uh, every time you walk up to a microphone and open your mouth, the enemy trembles. Mm. They know... We're about to get run out of here. We mm-hmm. they know that things that they've been doing all yeah. week to tear people down, yeah. that moment God can shatter yeah. all the plans of the enemy 
Uh, he can take um, all of the list of things that have been happening to those people and shatter it in that moment in his yeah. presence. And so coming together like that, it makes it so awesome because you know people are like, all right, we live to fight another day. Let's go do this. Yeah. And so people leave encouraged, you know. I love that too because you think people are challenged by the word and and in, in worship through song. Mm-hmm. So you know, like Joel's saying, they're like – the enemy flees when we start praising and we start worshiping and people that are bound in addiction are being called out of that addiction in that moment. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. people that are about to get a divorce, yeah. they're yeah. called to reconcile. Yeah. And that is the power of what we do. Yeah. And that's just, when you know that, because you've just, you've just seen too much mm-hmm. to believe otherwise. Right. And we've experienced too much to believe otherwise. And I think anybody would say that that's been in a room, um, of worship when you did, especially when you don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. And then you experience the power of the Lord at that moment. You're like, I'm changed forever. Yeah. This is not just chill bumps to the car. This is like an eternal thing, yeah. you know? And so it just, it calls you to holiness. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's so much power in that. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's awesome. Wow. Well, you guys, this has been incredible. I, uh, I do want to, if, if there's any final, final thoughts, uh, feel free to jump in. Um, I do want to kind of go around the room though. And for the people that are listening that maybe have never, uh, don't know where to start with like worship music, uh, talk about if you could listen to one worship album for the rest of your life. Oh man. (laughs) Just one. How? You're stranded on a desert island maybe. And there's only one. Somehow you have, have electricity or something, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) your iPhone never Pick one. You've only got one. Um, Go ahead and tell, go around and, and say what's your favorite worship album or the one that, that has drawn you into the presence of God the most. I think song for song, I'm going old church basement, Maverick City Music. Okay. That's a good one. Well, that's a good one. Song for song. That is good. That's good. Sorry. Sorry. I had my mom made up and then you just made me change it. <laughs> it it's okay if it's the same one because then that just means they got to go out and get it. <laughs> Another one is This Ain't Over. It ain't over. It ain't over by uh, Bethlehem Church. Oh yeah, uh, shameless plug. Right, Come, on. Go. Nope. Come on, shameless plug. Oh that one. Yeah, yeah. Good for us. Uh, Y'all are too humble. You one. wouldn't say it yourselves, so I said it for you. No, actually, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. We wouldn't say that. Uh, honestly, I love Homecoming. I love the album mm. uh, Homecoming yeah. by Bethel. There's a song on there called Back to Life. It is a. Good. It's a very powerful song. Very gospel song, so yeah. ten out of ten. Recommend that one. Ten out of ten. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Dickinson? I was just thinking through that, and uh, I always kind of go back. I try to go back at least, like, you know, once every few months and listen to the Hillsong United like live album from like yeah. old stuff. Come yeah. on. And early uh, 2000s. Yeah, yeah. In those songs, you know, you can sense like revival was happening then. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, in those live songs, they're just so powerful. I mean, yeah. even stuff that we do still yeah. today, we'll do on, on stage from that album. And so mm. I can't even remember which, what it's called, but. Uh, is uh, there a song that jumps out? Like a song from that album? Uh, from the inside out. From the inside out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those throw salvation. Yes, around 2006, 2007. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's the one where that guy sang into the guitar, right? Out of Miami. I think so. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yep. That'll rock. That'll be our hymn book. That's exactly. We're like, oh, we'll be telling the young people, you need to do those songs. There's also an album. 
I know I'm cheating by saying two, but there was an album a few years ago. <laughs> it's um, if anybody, I'm terrible with song names and stuff like that. But it's it's Stephanie Gretzinger, um, and it's it's an album. But all the songs on there are almost from uh, a perspective of a father of God, like speaking to oh, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, out of hiding. Come yes, out of hiding. Yeah. Out of hiding. Yeah. And that album is just good to just put on and listen to. Yeah. Um, especially if you don't feel uh, close to God at that time mm, of being good. and him just kind of holding you and telling you to be still. Yeah. Um, it's just a really good one that, you know, rocked me a few years ago mm. and continue does it as, as soon as every time I listen to it. But mm. I would say probably, uh, I don't know the name of it, but Elevations from a couple years ago that had like uh, more than a couple years ago, but like Give Me Faith and Resurrecting King. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there might be different albums, but they just had song. some really good albums uh, in the early 2010s, if not before that. So some good songs on there. That's very good. It's good. Did you do one show? Yeah. 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 Bethel. Homecoming. A Homecoming, yeah. Bethel. The whole album is great. Yo, take us back. Come on, take us back in time. Keith Green. Mm. Keith Green. I love Keith Green. Yes, I really do love Keith Green. Yes, I mean, literally, I was like Keith Green to me. uh, I mean, his stuff has got me through so many different things in my life. I would say either Keith Green or nobody's ever heard of this guy. His name's Dennis Jernigan, Um, and he. Uh, you know, when you grow up uh, in traditional church, you don't learn intimacy mm. with God, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's not masculine, you know, it's not, it's, it's kind of weird. Like, you know, yeah. Jacob talking about songs that call you to deep intimacy. Mm. Yeah. And Dennis Jernigan is not drive down the road, listen to kind of music. <laughs> it's you better be where you can Pull lay over. down. <laughs> yeah. Like it, but it was yeah. just this. It's the first music that I listened to that drew me into an intimate relationship with Mm -hmm. the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, seriously, I don't just think, oh, I need to listen to that. Like, you have to be prepared uh, to listen to that. So, you know, when I first heard the question, my first thought was, if you told me I could only listen to one album the rest of my life, I wouldn't listen to it. Yeah. And and the reason why is because... um, you know, and none of that. We're, I've just never been bound to an album or mm-hmm. a song. Mm-hmm. They're all vehicles, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, and I like the new, I like the, you know, singing to the Lord a new song, mm-hmm. which means make it up right there on the spot. That's great. And I think those are God's favorite songs. Mm. Like, we're not going to get to heaven and God's going to go, here's my top 40 favorite. <laughs> and it won't be any, any album or any song we did. Yeah. God's mm. favorite songs are the ones that we sing fresh to Him right there mm. in the moment from our heart, just like any father would mm-hmm. when his kids, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When when his kids sing to him, it's that fresh, here's how I feel about you right now. That's, to me, Love that. what I would probably be. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Wow. Thank you all so much for this time. This has been incredible. Thank you for the gift of worship that you guys bring to our church and for this discussion. It's uh, It's been a blessing to me, and I know it's been a blessing to our listeners. Mm-hmm. So thank y'all. And we want to listen, we want to pray for y'all and uh, just pray that that you have those moments this week, that you that you are aware and that you capture those moments where you, you sense the Holy Spirit right. drawing you into worship. 
So, Joel, why don't you lead us in yeah. a prayer for that? Yeah, before I pray, I just want to tell every one of you that are listening, we love you. Mm-hmm. And it, really, we carry you in our hearts during the week. You know, I, whatever it is that you're doing right now, know that we're not sitting around waiting for the next Sunday. Like, every day matters. You matter to us. And so grateful uh, to get to be a part of leading you and seeing what God is doing in your life as well as ours. But I do pray for you right now. Um, we do. We we pray for you wherever you are, whether you're feeling stuck and feeling more like a relationship with the Lord has become routine and traditional and just need a shot in the arm, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I just pray right now uh, in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will just begin to stir in your heart and renew uh, a a. a a love for God, um, and stir you to turn towards Him. That um, that you do not feel the need to conjure something up in that moment. That God is going to come after you, and He is relentless in His love for you. And I pray for those that you're hanging in there. You're doing good, um, and so there's that sense of because you're in that place, your heart gets turned away. And you forget. Uh, Things are good, so you forget. You know, you don't need him in these certain areas. And that God will, that you will be reminded that in those moments that you live a life of gratefulness before the Lord. And um, especially I pray for you that you're listening and you're just on the outskirts. You've maybe only come one or two times. You're just trying to figure out this whole God thing. Um, I specifically pray for you, and I say to you that all those questions you have, um, if you could take those and just set them to the side for just one moment and hear this one thing with as much truth as and honesty as I can say to you, you've seen the buttons and you've read it on a shirt, you've seen it on a bumper sticker, but I want to say this to you, and I want you to listen and let this sink in. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for what you could not take care of. We all sitting here right now have experienced that moment where you realize what he has done for you. Yes, He just wants a relationship with you. And I know there's this fear of all the things that you've got to give up and change in order for that to happen. And I'm saying to you, he's already done the work. All I'm saying is that first step of just saying, Lord, I give you my life. With all the questions and all those things set to the side, just that one moment between you and him, just to say, Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to ask you to come in and take over my life. And Lord, I pray For everyone listening, every person, wherever they are, Lord, I pray blessings over them and with all the things on their hearts, on their minds, on their shoulders, just even the plan of the the day or the things that you've got to do tonight or tomorrow, whatever it is, I pray right now that you will walk out in the power of the Holy Spirit and that you will, in the name of Jesus, learn the discipline of just listening, just listen to the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we give you thanks for another day 
that you have given us this moment, that every breath we take is a gift, and we give every breath back to you. I pray, Lord, that you'll be glorified in everything we do. And Lord, I pray that we will hear your voice and that we will know you. And forgive us, Lord, for how many times you speak to us and we figure out a way to say that can't be God. Forgive us for that, Lord. You're yes. constantly speaking. You, you've you told us over and over and over again that, you, that your sheep hear your voice, Lord. And we, as your children, we really do hear your voice. And we want to be doers of what you say. We want to listen to you and obey. So thank you, Lord, that you sent us the greatest gift, which is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit being our helper. So, Lord, we thank you for that, and we want to listen. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Joel. Yes, ma'am. Thank you all for listening. And if you guys have any questions or any anything that you want to talk about with our worship team, send that to Beyond Sunday at BethlehemChurch.us. That's our new email address, and we will forward your questions and uh, any kind of comments or anything that you guys want to uh, add to this discussion. We'll uh, we'll forward that on to our worship team. But thanks for listening, uh, and we will see y'all next time.